looks like a duck from the back and a chicken from the front. But <laughs> from the side, it's a turkey, basically. And it's <laughs> is what I got from the And it's school. all about the party. What? Yes, it's all party. <laughs> Welcome to Hey You Know It. My name is Jaquetta Sotmar, and I'm here with my co-host, Katie Kazmier. Hey You Know It is a podcast that tells you how it is or how it should be. You can listen to Hey You Know It on iTunes, a new episode every Monday. And here they are, Jaquetta and Katie. Okay, so um, here we are. We're doing yet another podcast remotely. That's we're trying right. something a little bit different. So if the sound is different, that's because it is. Yeah. If it sounds different, it is different. Yeah, and we're um, always working to improve it. But yeah. um, thank you for listening and hanging in there while we do this. And yeah. Um, yeah, we'd love to keep you company. And thank you for keeping us company. I would also like to say now, since a lot of people are at home, this is a great time to email us at hey, you know it at gmail.com if you have any questions, comments, uh, segment ideas, any pieces, anything you want us to to take note of and address. Yeah. This is the time. Now is the time. Not yeah. that it wasn't the time before, <laughs> but now it's even timier. <laughs> yeah. It's even time. If you had something on draft, now's the time to release that draft email and just fire that on over to, Hey, you know, that Gmail. So, right. um, I'm doing tales from Dirk campfire. Tales Ooh. from Dirk campfire is a segment where we find tales on the internet of the paranormal, fake lore, folklore, ghost um, stories. Yeah, scary stuff, and we retell it here around the digital campfire, so please. Gather around, listeners. Gather around. This is about the most haunted house in Texas. I'm oh, sorry, not Texas. Totally wrong. The most haunted town in Kansas. Both of those <laughs> things were wrong. How, how did you get that so wrong? <laughs> I don't know. I just, so it's a town called Atchison in northeast Kansas, whatever. Okay. Um, it was founded in the 1850s. It has about 10,000 people. And in the past 150 years, it has become known as a place of unexplained supernatural phenomena. Of all so, time? Yeah, because apparently the town, the idea is that this town was built by one family uh -huh. uh, in the 1850s out of limestone, and oh. that limestone is porous, and apparently spirits can get in there and move around freely. Oh, so it's like kind of their super highway to get yeah, around. It's, it's yeah. like, yes, it's like the web for them, I guess. <laughs> I've never heard this before, but you know why not? Limestone. Um, so... <laughs> Porous limestone. You'll see a lot of more commercials, you know, mm -hmm. for porous limestone housing brought to you yeah. by the undead. Exactly. So this is what's happening in the town. It was built on porous limestone or they used por porous limestone to, um, you know, make a lot of the buildings. And one of these buildings is supposedly haunted. Um, it was owned by the family of the guy who built the town. And then later on, a woman named Kelly Adams, uh, purchased it like recently. And she started noticing immediately when she was hiring contractors that she was having a hard time keeping the help. Oh, contractors were complaining. They were saying they heard footsteps. They, they, uh, there were claims that they saw shadow people. Oh, right. And then also one of them saw a mangled blackbird at the construction site. Yeah, that's not good. That's when you yeah. have, um, a kind of a different kind of spirit that plays these tricks on you. Um, with animals and they bring like dead animals like rabbits and things to you. It's something in the native American 
Um, oh, the truth. Is it kind of like a totem or a warning? Oh, oh, warning. Okay. So it's a, this is a, well, they interpreted it as a negative thing, which I would have too. Yeah, it is. Like Margaret Cho tells a story where she was getting like that at her house. Was this like a celebrity hauntings? Uh, no, she was, no, she wasn't on, I think it was like a podcast and she was, she told her story. Okay. Cause I've never seen celebrity haunting, but I would, I would watch it if Margaret Cho was on there. Yeah. <laughs> I like Margaret Cho. I'd love to hear her story. Yeah, I like the way she explains things. Oh, yeah. She was really good. She was talking about being, she was, you know, whatever, filming a movie or filming something. And uh, so she had to live in this rented house and the stuff that went on. The horrors. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. A rental. But back Back to this house. Yeah. So in the basement of the house, there was a lot of uh, activity happening and no one would go down there. She didn't want to go down there. Her brother refused to go down there. The guys working on the house didn't want to go down there. So finally, when they went down there to fix up the basement, they ripped up the floorboards when they were doing the renovations and they found a pair of old cavalry boots. Ooh. And apparently that's a European tradition to put boots in the foundation of a house as a form of protection. Okay. But they were thinking that maybe the guy had cursed the boots in some way or there was some negativity attached to the boots. And then them being encased in the floorboards of the house kind of imbued whatever negative energy from the boots into the entire house. These boots are made for hauntings. (laughs) And that's just what they did. Uh, Apparently, the contractors heard people walking around ostensibly in the boots, I guess. They said whenever they tried to leave the basement, a force would try to pull them back in. Oh. Um, and then the strangest incident <laughs> that I thought was kind of funny, her brother, Rob, apparently got pantsed by a ghost. <laughs> he, was, he said he was at the be? bottom of the stairs and all of a sudden his pants were yanked down. I, I think, I don't know. <laughs> this is a, was he wearing a belt? You know? <laughs> Was he doing I, a low pants thing? You know, I was he know. already serving crack? And then I think he's one of those exhibitionist time types that is like, <laughs> oh, I got pantsed by a ghost. See everything, everyone. Woo-hoo. Or he was trying know? to sun the ghost, as we used to say when we were kids. Do what? Sun. That's when you flash someone <laughs> from the front. That's what, you never use that term as a kid. No. It's there's moon and then there's sun. Oh my god, that's hilarious. <laughs> So, yeah, when we were kids, they'd be like, moon, and we'd be like, no, dude, take it further, sun him. (laughs) So at least seven presences have been detected in the house uh, with different personalities, um, spirits of the people who have lived there, um, and I guess maybe servants or things like that, people who worked in the house. Uh, And they're not evil, right? They seem to be harmless, but they said in the basement, there's really like a negative feeling down there. Um. And then it mentions later in the article that in 1880, Adam, uh, the guy who built the house, accidentally, they say, killed his brother. Oh. And that could be the reason for the haunting as well. Yeah. Um, so it could be the boots. They think maybe he put uh, some hoodoo on the boots or did some ritual with the boots that are in the, in the basement or underneath the floorboards. Maybe it was the accidental, so they say, killing of the brother. I don't know why I don't believe it. I don't know anything about these people. But you um, still, it smells of all kinds of wrong. Yes, I sense foul play. Um, so, yeah, this is a powerful and haunting in Kansas and a town that apparently has a lot of different hauntings. Um, and at the picture of the house, it just looks like a regular house. 
Oh, nothing, the, nothing really scary about it. So that's um, the most haunted house in the most haunted town. Yeah, it's the most haunted house in the most haunted town in Northeast Kansas. Hmm. So what yeah. else happened? Do they say anything more about what happens in the town? Is this um, is this house seeping out the the paranormal? Into it the doesn't. Town? It doesn't say that. Um, it just basically says that there's evil in the limestone and you know underneath the house. Oh. That's it. <laughs> It's just bad building material. Oh, God. It's like a cautionary tale for, uh, you know, people doing construction, I guess. All right. What do you have? Well, uh, I have some animal news. Nice. Uh, Is it barnyard? Yes, it's barnyard. Okay. (laughs) So barnyard news is when we report on animals that are in the barnyard, some that are not in the barnyard, pretty much any animal. Yes. And we're going to report on these animals. And today we're going to report on the wombat. I don't know anything about this animal. Is it... Something tells me, though, it's it's cute. Like, it's portrayed as cute, but it's not. It's cute. It has little pointy ears, um, furry, almost looks like it has claws. So, okay, well, then it's out, in my mind. Yeah, but the thing is, um, so they're, they have a lot, they're very, um, they're very husky. They have a thick pad of fat and muscle. Excuse me. <laughs> so so they have to shop in that department in the children's <laughs> store. The husky. the husky part. Yeah. They wear tough okay. skins. Yeah. For the husband. That's it, though. Just maybe Lee's. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they have a lot of um, this this thick pad of fat and muscle, and it's made because they're, um, they're, they repel burrow in evading predators. So they fight. Okay. Anyone so who wait, they burrow, burrow. They burrow themselves in, and then other people or other creatures come in there. And they fight them and, off. And they fight them off. Okay. Yeah. So um, one of the things about the wombat is that it, when it poops, it poops a cube. It's not a round. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. It's, it's the strangest How? thing. Just <laughs> naturally are they working on this? <laughs> are they showing it to each other like, dude, you, you know, get, get out some measure, some cowpers on this one. You know, there's always perfect. that wombat who's going to show <laughs> off his poop. We all know In that. In a cube? Yeah, so, but they poop cubes this is like a trivia fact that okay is true um and it's not news it's been happening ever since there's been a wombat it's news to me but it's like why it does this happen because their their anuses are round i was gonna that was gonna be my first question is anything inside of them square well it says um they speculate some poop <laughs> As they say, some, some wombat poop thinkers have speculated that perhaps the three um, species of wombat have square anuses, which forms the dry feces into dense little cubes on their way to the world. Or perhaps the stomach somehow digests the food in an unusual shape. Yeah. But no, uh, that Patricia Yang, a medical engineer from Georgia Institute of Technology, found the real answer. Okay. Yes. So it talent. It was, <laughs> the real answer is talent, sheer talent. <laughs> so they found out that the that the poop in the upper parts of the intestines were liquidy and soft. Okay. And while the poop in the last eight percent of their intestinal tract was the iconic cube shape, very very dry. Okay. And they and that the final section of the wombat's entrails had walls that vary, vary in how elastic they are. And the pressure of the feces against these walls forms it into cubes less than an inch in diameter. That's so bizarre. Yeah, but the thing is, because they um, they reserve all the liquid in their bodies. Okay. So they don't waste 
any of the liquid in their poop. So like they, they digest and they still use the liquid that's in there. Yeah. But that, I mean, but why turn it in and why not just have it be like a pellet? No, because, um, because it's like, it gets so packed down. It forces it into that shape. Yeah. That's interesting. They squeeze out every last bit of moisture, the much Uh needed moisture because they're down there in the earth and you know, God knows when you're going to get another cool (laughs) glass of water or something. Um, yeah, but it's because, yeah, it's so dry and it gets so packed down. That That's becomes a cube? It becomes a cube. That's so bizarre. And do they stack them up? Like, do they do anything with them or is that, that's the end of it? it well, it is stackable. It's, I, I mean, it's made for stacking. <laughs> <laughs> this poop is that's, made for stacking. The next thing they're going to discover is like some kind of like a structure, <laughs> like a pyramid or something. Yeah, but they, it also helps them mark their territory too. So it's like... Like these are, these are George's cubes. Yeah. <laughs> like, look at them. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. and you know he wants you to. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. he, he's arranged them. Yeah, that's, but that's strange. Why. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, what did you just do a Google search for wombat? No, I was just looking up animals and in, that's in interesting. In this it's an animal I don't think about. I'm very, uh, you know, when I do my anim- animal searches, it's always the same. It's like bees, bears, a chicken, and like wolf. Yeah, no, shark. Oh, so you look for specific animals. I yeah. look, I look for the news. I say, what's new with animals? Oh, obviously, I'm very conservative in my animal in my animal searching. I like that though. That's interesting. Yeah. So speaking of uh, animal behavior, Greg sent this one in. Greg, my husband, who's an attorney, uh, it says uh, Oregon lawyer skips out on strip club and tries to escape via via a tunnel. So this guy, what? This is in Oregon. He goes to a strip club, right? Mm-hmm. Fine, whatever. And he gets a private lap dance. Now, I've never been to a strip club, but come on, we all know that that's really expensive. You yeah. know, if you're asking one dancer to come and give you, you know, a private dance. I wonder how much so, they go for state to state. It was supposed to be $200, which oh. I think is not that bad. Okay. For a 15-minute lap dance? Yeah. That's a lot, that's I think. That's a lot of money. Yeah, 200 bucks, 15-minute lap dance. Uh, but, you know, probably fair, right? So you, when you go over to the stripper, apparently, you say, look, hey, I'd like a private lap dance. And the dancer then says, okay, it's X amount for uh, X amount of time for X amount of dollars. Like, it's not a, one of those things where you get the lap dance and then you get a bill after. Right, right. And you're shocked. Right. Right. So what? he agreed to it. <laughs> yeah, I, can't, I can't believe she charged me for that. Um. <laughs> So he went in there, he agreed. The woman did the dance. And then at the end, he said, I'm not going to pay you. And then he just ran. Oh, good luck, buddy. <laughs> there are so many bouncers in these clubs. That will so not- he ran past the bouncers and tra- climbed a fence and then landed in some blackberry bushes. This guy is like the Warner Brothers of evading <laughs> like payment of the strip club. So he booked it out. Jumped over a fence and then landed in some bushes. <laughs> he then, he, no, he's not done yet, right? So it keeps going. He then ran onto the rail tracks, like light rail, and, and started running into a tunnel. Oh, my God. And the authorities just waited for him on the other side. <laughs> and I bet you every cop was so happy oh my to God. grab him. I mean, but are, it's like a you- foot chase. What kind Over of low 200 bucks is yeah. going to run out on his lap dance bill? Yeah. Like you don't need a lap dance. 
one, I just sit at the bar with everybody else and, you know, have the see what everyone else is saying. Yeah. You know, and then and leave some tips for that. But don't like waste someone's time, agree, you know, agree to a price. So I think it's going to be for they'll probably get him for theft of services. Good. Um, and he, his face got scratched up as well. Up by the by the by the blackberry, blackberry bushes. bushes. Good. But it's like, come on, like really? And he thought he was just going to like book it. <laughs> How could you? <laughs> like, and that's that's so premeditated too. It's like mm-hmm. I'm not going to. But he it. didn't think about his escape route. Clearly, because in my mind, if you're escaping, running into a tunnel is one entrance and one exit. Probably not the best, you know, no, not the best option there. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> like, I'm sure the cops were chasing him and then they were like, oh, no, 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 we'll just he's running into a tunnel. Like, we'll just, we'll just yeah. wait. I mean, I, I, I'm sure it was premeditated. I didn't say he was smart. Yeah, his plan. <laughs> But I like this idea, and we were just, uh, you know, I've been discussing this with people. You know when you're a kid and you do something wrong and then you just run? Oh, you think it was more like a a thing where he felt bad about what he did morally? No, no. I mean, when you're a kid and you run away from, literally run away from consequences. <clears throat> oh, okay. You know, you're a little kid, you do something wrong. Some adult comes out and is like, hey, did you kids do this? And you're like, dude, book it. <laughs> <laughs> you know? You just run. You run home or whatever. Right, right. You right. run away. Yeah, right? yeah. So it's like this childish impulse. Yeah, and I thought, well, what if adults started doing that? Like, what if you were in a thorny situation, like on the job, and you know, you hadn't met a deadline. Your supervisor's trying to confront you, and instead, you just run, jump in the <laughs> elevator, <laughs> go downstairs, jump in a cab, and just go, and just run, like yeah. this guy. Fight or flight, but there's nobody yes. attacking you. You're the one that's doing the thing. Doesn't matter. It's a preemptive flight, I guess. Yeah. So this guy tried to book it from a from a lap dance. Man, that stripper must have been mad. <clears throat> Man, I hope she got her money. I, I'm I'm sure she's gonna get her <clears throat> money eventually. Also, like that's a risky thing on his part. A lot of strip clubs are not run by the most forgiving people. Let's say. Yeah, it's not just like going to Walmart and stealing. No. Uh, or, you know, someplace else where you, you know, whatever yeah. happens. Good luck to them. Oregon. They got them anyway. Foot chase. All right. What do you have? Okay. I have the Diderot effect. Okay. The Diderot effect is why we want things we don't need. Because don't you ever fall down that, that rabbit hole where you get one thing and you're like, oh, you know, I just got new pillows for my couch to kind of dress up the place. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, I might need a new couch. I might need a new table. I might need <laughs> yes. a new bookshelf. I need a new TV. <laughs> it's like a cascading thing. Right. It's Yeah, it's 100%. Like you're getting something small as an accessory, and now you feel like everything has to change. Yeah. It's like, okay. this is basically, this is named after a French philosopher, Denis Diderot, and he lived his enti- nearly his entire life in poverty. But mm-hmm. that changed in 1765. He was 50, what happened? He was 52, and his daughter was about to be married, and he couldn't, uh, he couldn't provide the dowry. Um, but he was well-known because he was the co-founder of a, a type of encyclopedia, which was the most comprehensive encyclopedia at that time. But he was broke. Yeah. So okay. Catherine the Great, the Empress of Russia, heard of his financial troubles and offered to buy his He library. was that broke that people are hearing about it, like in other parts of the world. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. I mean, that's rough. 
so so he she bought it from him and soon he and she for something um which like in our US dollars at this time is like 50,000 so back then it was worth god knows okay. what all right so he had so much money and he had money to spare and so he you know af- right after his lucky sale he acquired a new scarlet robe all right, so just to be clear, he was super broke, and then he sold some encyclopedias to Catherine the Great. Yeah, and he after had, she heard and, about how broke he was, and he had just a boatload of money afterwards. Then he was flossing. Yeah, yeah. he's probably really annoying too. Then, yeah. Oh, could you imagine, like a fifty-two-year-old <laughs> yes. guy suddenly with money? Yeah, and he's probably telling all the other people who he's been hanging out with the whole time that they're a bunch of scroungers. They need to get a life, get a job, yeah. <laughs> stop depending on the state. Yeah. Work hard. Yeah. He became a Republican overnight. Right, right, right. Yeah. But his robe was so beautiful that he immediately noticed how out of place it was with the rest of his common possessions. So, was he just wearing like ratty, ripped clothing and then like a really just killer robe? Yeah, well, can you imagine like at that Why'd time? Why do you buy a robe? Because, I mean, that's the first thing. Aren't you going to get a new outfit? You get some new. A robe? You get. Well, that's what they wore. That was their outfits at the I'm time. I'm imagining that he has, like, a hole in his shoe. Like, he's wearing, like, a piece of a hat, just the brim. Yeah. <laughs> With, like, you know what I mean? He's dirty, but his robe is just pimping. Yeah, so he's yeah, he's filthy, and he's got this scarlet robe on, and he, he says, no more coordination, no more unity, no more beauty between his robe and the rest of his items. Okay. So he started buying things to match the beauty of his robe. So Soap. Replaced. <laughs> I've made this guy into just a filthy, like a street, like a tramp, you know. So he replaced his old rug with a new one from Damascus. He wow. um, decorated his home with beautiful sculptures and a better kitchen table. So now if I were Catherine the Great and I heard about these purchases, I'd be like, look, this is not what I bought these encyclopedias for. Right. It was a dowry. It was actually, this was for your daughter. <laughs> What's so with the frog? What it does is it says that this Diderot effect states that obtaining a new possession often creates a spiral of consumption, which mm-hmm. leads you to acquire more new things. And as a result, you end up buying things that our previous selves never needed. You never yeah. needed them to feel happy or fulfilled or anything, but now suddenly you do. So right now everyone's at home. Um, I don't know if this has happened. To you. I don't know if you've done cleaning yet. Oh. <laughs> have you have you gone through closets and things like that yet? A lot of people I've been I, yeah. um, talking to are at that point right now where they're looking at all the stuff that they have. Well, this is a great time to Marie Kondo your place. Yeah, um, I fortunately have done that already last year, so I already yeah. Went if you a lot. Marie people, if Katie Marie Kondo's her place, there'll be nothing in it. She'll just be on the floor <laughs> with with a laptop and a microphone. <laughs> your place is very it's. You have everything you need. It's yeah. clean. It's open. It's organized. Right. Right. So I don't really need to, I will do a big spring cleaning to like get rid of like dust in the closet and stuff yeah. like that. But um, I haven't done that yet because I'm so busy working to actually okay. working from home. I'm, I'm fortunate enough to um, have my job at this time. So I am yeah. working like crazy. So you're still busy. I'm still I guess really I'm thinking busy. about people who either they're work they're working from home and things they've either slacked off or they're not working and they're just they're they need something to do. So they're looking around and they're starting to clean out closets and people are finding things um and realizing that this is stuff they haven't seen in years, don't need. I predict once this um the social isolation thing lifts that there's gonna be a flood of donations for goodwill. Yeah. 
like a flood of people just giving stuff away, selling stuff on eBay. And then I think people are going to go right back out and replenish. Yeah. It's going to be a thing where you realize what you have and either give it away or you're going to find something that you have and you're going to be like, I need more accessories. Like, <laughs> like, yes. oh, oh yeah. Cause I have wrist and ankle weights. I'm like, mm-hmm. what else do I need for my home workout? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally. It's that kind of thing where you're like, oh, I have, like with jewelry, you're like, oh, I have this ring and these earrings, a necklace. Yeah. Needs uh, to and go now with I this. need a new dress. Wouldn't that dress go well with that? Yeah. Yeah. Just so like it's a, called the Diderot effect? Diderot effect, yeah. And like you buy the American Girl doll and then you're purchasing all the accessories and it's like you never need See, this is one of those things I've realized as I've gotten older, I don't like collections of things. I like one or two things. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I grew up in a house with a lot of like stuff, like Hummels, not, you know, <laughs> like okay. things, a lot of little things from the seventies, from the sixties and seventies, you know, and I just grew up looking at this stuff, like what possible uses it's have. And now I look around my, I'm in my home office right now and I see a lot of little things that have no function. Yeah. Like, so is there an effect for that? Uh, having little things that have no function? I mean, but Yeah, having people, a lot of little things have and then you realize that these things have no function whatsoever. But maybe they do have a function. Maybe they're tied to a memory, maybe they're a gift from somebody. Possibly. I feel like and, I should take a picture of some of this stuff and then just get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Satmari effect. I might just photograph, scan it. Scan it and send it on. I like that Diderot. Is is it a positive thing or a negative thing? Well, it's a thing. It's a thing that you should identify if you're doing it or not. Because if you master this, if you have more, if the Diderot effect tells us that your life is is going to have more things um, fighting to get in, if you're feeling that that tug Mm -hmm. to get other things, then you have to like kind of get. You have to master this. You have to get a hold of your Diderot. Yeah, get a hold of yourself and not not Diderot. Get get your Diderot together and don't just go wild style out there shopping. Shopping is, by the way, one of the things that I have not missed so far. Yeah. So they say um, how to get a hold of yourself is reduce your exposure. Nearly every habit is initiated by a trigger or a cue. So unsubscribe. I do unsubscribe Thursdays. I've been doing it for years. I go through all of my email. And if there are companies that want me to buy things that I don't need, um, then I don't, you know, I unsubscribe. Yeah. That's exactly what they say. That's the first thing you do is do that. Um, you know, block your favorite shopping websites using yeah. tools like freedom. I never even heard of that, but yeah. What's it called? It's called freedom. Oh, who? <laughs> <laughs> we don't know anything about that right now. <laughs> I thought you said freedom and I was like, what is she talking about? Okay. Freedom. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's you know, when you, when you do meet your friends again, you know, don't meet them at the mall. Meet them at the park when that's open, when you can see your friends again. I, I don't think we have ever been to a mall together. We've never been shopping together, period. No, <laughs> not something I do with my friends. No. We, no, that's not true. We did meet one time at a mall for drinks. That's true. We did. We were at- and I think separately we had shopped maybe earlier that day. That's right. We shopped for wine. Yeah. <laughs> And then we met at a bar. And then we drank. We had drinks at a bar, and then we took the wine we bought and drank that wine in a restaurant. That's right. We went because it was that BYOB dinner that we. Yeah, had. it was a BYOB. Um, so yeah, so don't get unsubscribed from things. Don't meet at the mall. Yeah. Um, in and then when you when you buy an item that fits your current system, you don't have to start from scratch each time you buy something new. 
So when you mm-hmm. purchase clothes, look for items that work well with your current wardrobe. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and, you're, and when you upgrade your electronics, get things that play nicely with the current pieces so you can avoid buying the chargers and the adapters and the cables and all the, the BS that goes along with it. I think those, I think those are good things to remember. I'm just the idea of going to a mall even before the quarantine was just, I, I hadn't been to a mall in forever. Yeah. It's just not the way I shop anymore. And then um, somebody else puts, uh, said, um, how about set self-imposed limits and live carefully in this constrained life by creating limitations that you operate with within. So like a budget. Yeah, but also try to do this with your community. Like somebody wrote this, imagine the following, a community group in your town organizes parents to sign a pledge agreeing to spend no more than $50 on athletic shoes for their children. Wow. The staff at your child's daycare center request a $75 limit on spending for birthday parties. So the whole party is like $75. Man, that's going to be a quick party. Yeah. Um, the local school. Or, you know, you have to make things yourself instead of going out and buying everything, right? Yeah. That's what... Or uh, ask people to pitch in. Yeah, you know, get the PTA to um, get 80% of parents to agree to limit their children's uh, TV watching to no more than one hour a day. Something like that. But well, just- I think back to school shopping would be a good one. I see people, when I was a teacher, and now seeing people who I know who have children who are school aged, that back to school shopping is insane. Yeah. The amount of money it costs. So, like, a pair of shoes for kids now is more than we would have spent for an entire back to school. And by the way, I didn't do back to school shopping that much because we had, uh, I was a Catholic school. We had uniforms. Yeah, I did too. So we didn't do the back to school shopping, but, and it was a relief. I liked uniforms by the way. Uh, I did not, but yeah. Okay. You like was, to, I, I didn't like to, to be bothered in the morning to pick out anything, but I think it's more like create the community where you, you, nobody feels the pressure to outdo each other. And maybe it has to be a little more conscious and I'm not saying, Hey, if you have the means don't spend it, but yeah, it just consider what it's doing to everybody else too. Oh, and also maybe there's a better way to spend that money. Yeah. You could always save it. <laughs> like back to school shopping makes me nervous because I would see parents, my students, parents spending money. I knew they didn't have on things that in a month or two were going to be trashed. Yeah. Um, and I wish that they, same thing around Christmas. Like, I think that would be a good pledge at Christmas for a community to say, look, we're not, or Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever you celebrate, we're going to, uh, you know, hundred bucks. That's it. Yeah. I always enjoyed like getting one shirt and then working it into my wardrobe. Yeah. And then get a new pair of jeans, work those in. It's like always but, one fresh But thing. you have a, but you have a style. Like some people don't. We know those people. Yeah. Okay. That whenever when you see them, they're wearing something radically different every time, and you're like, "What? Are, you were goth last week. This week, you're a hippie." Yeah. <laughs> like, what's going on? Those people cannot cannot do that kind of thing. I see. Um, speaking of malls, a friend of mine mentioned that New Jersey has this brand new mall called the American Dream. I think it's owned by a Canadian company. Uh, it's in Paramus. Okay. And they refitted an old mall, and inside of it, there is an indoor amusement park did they really freaks me out when the, did apparently happen? there's this it just happened it just opened maybe a couple months ago so obviously it's closed now during the quarantine because an indoor an indoor amusement park i don't know if one should ever exist anyway but definitely not when there's you know viruses floating around but inside the american dream there is apparently a ski mountain you know this is something <laughs> that they're modeling after the malls in dubai 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember you told me years ago about yeah, this. Yeah, in like 2012, 13, when I was I was there, that's what they had in the malls because you had to be inside. The malls are a mammoth because it's so hot and they're in the, the desert that you have to have everything. And they, it, they make it a giant, like you could do everything in the mall. So now, and Paramus is like known for its malls too, by the way. I've never been, I've driven through Paramus many times and the malls are, it's like there's one area of it. It's just lined with malls. Yeah, you can get, well, there's a lot of strip malls, but then there's the two major ones, which was Garden State. I mean, State like Plaza the huge, yeah, and the huge Park. ones. Yeah. 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 So I want to know which one is this new. I'm not sure what the American dream is, but this article that I found um, is about this guy, Kelly Slater. He's apparently a surf champion, and he's going to build the largest man made wave. <laughs> what? It's, and he's going to build it in the desert. You're listening to Hey You Know It with Jaquetta Sotmari and Katie Kazmir. We're telling you how it is and how it should be. So I, you know, I'm somewhat of an environmentalist, but this is the kind of stuff that really makes me feel radical about the environment. The fact that, so it's an 18 million gallon basin. They're spending what? $200 million on it. And they're, why are they building this thing in the desert? So it's the largest man-made wave um, from Kelly Slater Wave Company, a division of the World Surf League. The, it's being helped out by Charles Charles Schwab's son, Mike Schwab, whatever. Clawed his way up from the, the top. Um, okay. The Schwabs. So in the past, like before they had this idea for this wave park or whatever it's going to be, the land was developed for 750 homes and an 18-hole golf course. It's in the desert, by the way. All right. Um, they're saying the new project will have the same density. So they're building a community and the centerpiece of this is an indoor wave. Um, yeah. So it's a wave basin. So the project is going to have this gigantic wave, um, a full service resort, residential homes, a private club. I don't know why, cause it's not like there's going to be any poor people there. Right. Yeah. So why have a private club? Right. right. Uh, multiple dining venues and adventure sports offering, including this gigantic wave. It's going to have a 150 room hotel, uh, 600 homes in the $1 million to $5 million range. The amenities are only for homeowners, hotel guests, members, and guests. So this is a private wave. <laughs> it's a private wave. 18. 18- 18 million for the rest of us assholes. We'll just have to go to the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> for this, for the free wave, the free wave. The free wave. This is a private, uh, indoor wave, 18 million gallons and 25 people can surf at a time. Oh, right. Get your five, ticket. <laughs> five people can surf on the main wave and then 10 people each on the smaller waves and there's going to be waves for all levels and preferences can you imagine like how disgusting that's going to be no all that water inside like that but just wet it's going to stink where's the water coming from that's what i from what i understand there's already in the desert a paucity of water (laughs) i'm just again i'm not like a you know a, a climatologist, like, I, you know, I don't know a lot about ecosystems. I did teach it when I taught fourth grade, but in the desert, it just makes me angry and sad. 
Yeah. That there's so much going on in the world. <laughs> and this to, is what like, they're doing. You have to put like a water theme thing in the so desert. So for the, for the one in Paramus, I have issues with that. But it's also the, a population center, right? There are a lot of people around there. The mall was already there. They just retrofitted it. Yeah, this is, I just looked it up and it's um, in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Oh, wow. I actually know where that is. Yeah, that's where. It's not that far from here. No, it's not far. Um, But yeah, the DreamWorks Water Park, the smattering of restaurants and retail offerings. Yeah, it was supposed to open on (laughs) March smattering. Yeah, (laughs) March 19th, it was supposed to open. Wow. And then on March 13th, they were like sent out a a release like, I'm going to have to postpone this. It's already been 10 years in the making, from what I understand. It's changed hands. You know, we're trying to figure out now in the U.S. what to do with all of these malls. Yeah. I, because when, when we were, you know, teens, that was what you did. Even me, even though I was rural, I would find a way. We found ways to get to malls. Sometimes we had to go to Delaware. We didn't give a shit. Yeah. What they're you trying know? to do with these malls is make them so comfortable for the suburban person and their families to want to go there. Because right now, suburban homes are so... Uh, like comfortable. You have everything you need there. You have your pool. You have your. Yeah. Pretty soon you'll have a wave. I, I bet you. <laughs> I bet you. It's, it's like the bonus room is out. The wave is in. <laughs> the <laughs> private community I, wave. I have a wave room in my house. <laughs> I don't have to go to the public wave. Yeah. Yeah. But the, they're trying to design these balls. So it's like just, it's even it's just so much easier to bring your family there and have them do all the things instead of just staying home and being, being with each other. Yeah. What I like about this, um, this wave is like, who's going to be the lucky person to live right next to it when this thing cracks open. Oh my God. They are living in the desert, but they still, their house gets washed away. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, come on. It's too easy. Would you buy in this development? The 600 suckers. I, I guarantee you this thing is going to be like phase one, phase two. Oh, phase two never happens. Phase two is the wave. Yeah. And then it's going to be. No happening. way. It's going to have to be redirected, like redecorated. I like the idea of the waves going the wrong way. <laughs> like who, like he comes in the surf and he's like, are you kidding? It's actually going back on itself. <laughs> <laughs> There's no rip curl here. <laughs> So yeah, they're hoping to get six hundred per you know people to pay between one and five million dollars to live near this wave. Oh God! In the desert. So I guess you know wealthy people aren't as smart. Yeah, as, you don't uh, have to be smart to have a lot of money to get a mortgage. You don't have to. No. Yeah. Two hundred million dollars, and this two—it's two hundred million dollars. But they're selling the, they're going to make $600 million at least on the housing. Then there's the hotel. I don't know who's coming out there. Um, I guess surfers. But as far as I know, surfers really like to go to uh, the beach. Yeah. So, yeah. So, and what do they do about sun? Or is it like an open roof? Do they have like a glass ceiling? <laughs> Do they have a glass ceiling? I don't know. It's a good question. I'm not. I'm not laughing at the question. I'm laughing because these are all the things I haven't even thought about. Yeah. Like, well, how's it going to go? Is it going to be like, you know, the drop ceiling? Are they going to bake un- under the the sun through the glass? Or is it going to be tinted? Are they going to like? How do they? 
Oh my god, they got someone's gonna step foot in the pool and they're like, it's it's boiling. <laughs> like what the, it's like a death wave. <laughs> but also it's like where does it go? Like can someone accidentally surf off of it? I don't know. Like the thing is, have you ever been to one of these like water feature places that are under a dome? I have been to one. No, like, this is like, I refuse. I refuse. It's like a giant pool. It has like slides for the kids and then no. lounge chairs around for the adults to hang out. Then off they have like the, um, a locker room and then they have Mm-mm. the bar and the restaurant and stuff. But when you're like, you're in this glass dome, and everybody what's it like in there what's the air like it's it's like humid in there a little humid and because mm-hmm. everybody's in bathing suits it's got to be warm and you got all this water and you're trapped under a dome and it smells like chlorine and the kids are screaming by the way oh and then the adults are like trying to be like isn't this fun all the kids are having a great time and it sounds like a punishment yeah but you're sipping pina coladas overpriced pina coladas while you're watching the kids i mean this would in the case of New Jersey, it makes no sense to me because you guys have amazing beach. Yeah. Like, and lots of it. And a lot of it's free. Yeah. Anyone can go to any of the, be- to most of the beaches in New Jersey um, for free. And hang on. I guess you can't go in the winter time, but again, like, you know, okay. it's Do not what it's else. for. Yeah. Do something else. It's so bizarre. Yeah. Um, yeah so he's going to build this man. They're saying that they're going to start it next year. And it'll be finished by 2022. Mm, so we'll see. Good luck to yep. them. Yeah, good luck. Sorry for, I mean, sorry, Mother Earth. Yeah. Sorry, you know, environment. But this is what's happening now. They're building a wave in the desert. That to me, and I'm not a religious person, but that sounds like the beginning of the end. Yeah. As a parable. As a parable. Yeah. You know, when you're forcing these things into environments that are not made for it. Because again, we have waves. We've seen them. It's not like there's a shortage of waves. And they keep, yeah. <laughs> they keep rolling in. These things keep coming. You know? Yeah. Like maybe the idea is that with these waves, they can control the, the pattern and make the perfect wave. But that, in my mind, is not what surfing is about, right? Right. Surfing, in my mind, is adapting to whatever wave is thrown your way. Right. And it's having um, that says, nature. Yeah, says me who is, I'm like a baby beginner surfer. Um, but I, you know, one of the fun things about surfing, even when you're a crappy surfer like I am, is, um, you know, being outside. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the fun part. I'm not excited to, like, put on a wetsuit and grab my board and run into the mall. <laughs> And imagine if you're a teen right now, what asshole teens you have to deal with of the the mall surfers. Oh my God. The mall mall surf kids. Oh my God. Right? Yeah. Yes. Those. Yep. It was bad enough. The kids who had like, you know, the Benetton um, Benetton. jersey that I couldn't afford. Right. Those kids showing. Mm -hmm. But now you have to deal with. Kids who live near a mall who have tons and tons of skate, I mean skate stuff, tons and tons of uh, surfing equipment, the clothing, the whole surf scene, and they're like hanging out at like the Orange Julius. You know what? Then they're going to have to take it. I feel like, you know, the wave thing is going to happen. People are going to get used to the wave and then they're going to have to dial it up a notch and they're going to have to throw in some live sharks. That's what I, yeah, I'm, I'm there with you. Now, when that happens, then that happens. I'm 
Right. That's that's what I'm talking about. Like, let, you know, bring nature back to the fore. Yeah. And have some sharks. sharks in there. Yeah, I'll sit at the side on the lounge chair and watch. See what happens. For sure. I'm sure I think we've just written a, a movie, actually. <laughs> it's in it's at Shark Park. Shark Park. <laughs> Shark Park. All right, what do you have? I have robot news. <laughs> Surfing in a mall. Okay. That'll be the next thing. The robot will be in there. Yeah. So I have robot news. And so okay. this is where we report on the latest advancements in yeah. robots. Our new overlords. For years, we've been talking about robots, and apparently AI is the thing, but we're still talking about robots. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we're going to talk about soft robots today. Shape, oh. Shape-changing, shape free-roaming soft robots. Wow. Those bastards. Yeah. Soft robotics could someday allow robots to work alongside humans, helping them lift heavy objects or carrying them out of danger. That sounds nice. Oh, That's how it does. All I can think of whenever we talk about soft robots is somebody like a robot that just grabs ass. Yeah, I'm thinking of the soft <laughs> robot, like in, um, like in this officer and a gentleman's uh, scenario, where you know the, the um, Richard Gere carries Deborah Winger off at the end. And inst- inst- I thought that was Kevin Costner and Whitney Houston. That's in the, my Bodyguard. Oh, okay. Bodyguard. I haven't I haven't seen either of those movies. Yeah, but it's the. <laughs> It's like, it's such like a cozy kind of thing to say. Like, you know what? Your robot will lift you and carry you out of danger. Um, but I just like, feel like really? it's going to have roaming hands. <laughs> it's going to grab it. uncomfortable. Yeah. That scene that you painted for me just confirms all my fears. <laughs> you know? Well, anyway, Stanford University researchers have developed a new kind of soft robot that, by borrowing features from traditional robotics, is safe while still retaining the ability to move and change shape. Ooh. Into what? <sighs> they never say. They just say it changes shape, but I'm like, what is it? It's a hat, it's a shoe, it's a chair? Like, what are they talking it's about? It's got, like, all right, so... Um, that, by the way, is a legit robot in my mind. The hat, shoe, chair, shape shifting Like, a robot. soft robot would be, has to be plugged into something, and it has to, and then it has, like, its arms or whatever that can do certain functions. Um, but they want a human-scale soft robot that can change its shape, allowing it to grab or handle objects. And, grab. Yeah, there you go, right? And roll in, yes. in comfortable directions. So, okay. Does it, I feel like it wears gloves for some reason, like white gloves. <laughs> Probably. It's like a soft touch. <laughs> Right. <laughs> so it's like a human safe robot mixed um a human safe robot huh oh a human like human dash safe like that's a word yeah, in that's other a way words, to describe a soft it human dash safe robot mixed with robots can dramatically change their shape <sighs> yeah I, again what and the it's for search and rescue it's for doing different th- like doing things to help humans okay with their jobs all right yeah i i don't know it's like if they're changing the the way a robot will move and can move itself into this again flexible kind of like i'm I'm seeing like kind of like a a merce cunningham robot (laughs) it's what like a modern dance robot is what i'm imagining Hmm. any place like any place that a traditional robot could cause injury now squishy robots are appealing and also yes for search and rescue i guess i mean i haven't had enough exposure to robots and by that i mean i haven't had any 
so when they're talking about, you know, I don't work in a factory, um, you know, I don't work in, a, in any high tech environment, so I don't see a lot of robots and I definitely don't see them as dangerous. But I guess if you're working in close proximity, this is a, a, a welcome, you know, a welcome thing. They're, um, they're called them isoperimetric robots. So they say, all right, here, here, this might paint a picture for you a little bit better. Okay. Um, they say, uh, this kind of robot can be useful for space exploration, especially because it can be transported in small package and then operates um, untethered after it inflates. So it can also change its shape and squeeze through tight spaces and spread over obstacles. So imagine you're on a like a spaceship, right? Oh, that makes sense to me now. I, I'm yeah. I get this is for exploration. Yeah. So things go okay. wrong and you need like something to squeeze in between to, something. Yeah, you gotta go in through this little like you know, twelve inch square to get into the next thing to fix the mm-hmm. thing so the whole yeah. ship doesn't explode. And a human can't fit through, so you put your robot, you squeeze it through, and then it inflates on the other side. And inflates on the side. Okay, that that makes sense to me. And then you need it back. Sure. And hey, what if it's like the thing is like two inches high and then three feet wide? That robot can squeeze through that like a mail slot as well, and then reinflate on the other side. So that's so it's less it's less rescuing Deborah Winger. Yeah. And the late great Whitney Houston, and more squeezing through a like you know a space to get to another space, yeah. so it can right. fulfill whatever task needs to be done. Well, right. It's not bad, I guess. Yeah. I still something creepy about it. It's really I, I, I'm waiting for robots to really make a difference in in my life. Well, just wait for that robot to squeeze under your door and then right itself again. And it will be waiting for me to stamp on it as soon as I see something coming under the door. (laughs) And pop it. You can pop it. Yeah. I'm going to pop it. That's that's going to be me. They're like, we sent that in to rescue you. I'm like, too bad. I'm going to pop it. (laughs) You're going to have to find another way. (laughs) Sorry. You know, sorry. (laughs) So I have a thing here. It's, uh, I guess it's. It's kind of uh, barnyard news. This is for a creature that was in the barnyard way, way, way back in the day. Um, it's a new fossil find. This is of old, the oldest modern bird, strange. And they say that it looks like a duck from the back and a chicken from the front. But <laughs> from the side, it's a turkey, basically. It's what I got from the And article. it's all about the party. Yes, it's all party. <laughs> so duck, chicken in the front, duck in the back. Yeah. Um, chicken in the front, a duck in the back, and the side of what? The side is kind of turkey-like. <laughs> so they found the skull. They can't even. And they can't decide from looking at the skull. These are paleontologists. Uh, if it's of a duck lineage, of it's a chicken lineage, turkey lineage, or all three. This is kind of like a, a menage chicken a and of yes, a fowl. chicken and a duck and a turkey got together, got romantic. This guy, um, it has clear characteristics of modern land and waterfowl. Um, it was discovered in the Dutch town of Maastricht in a famous fossil bed that is estimated to be like sixty-six million years old. Oh. Um, wow. And it lived right before the mass extinction of the dinosaurs. And this is the first time that they found this kind of um, skull. Apparently it was in, in a rock. They could barely see what was going on. And they used a scan and they saw the skull. There's not much of it. Um, so there's in the top, from the top, there's not much the back. of a skull there. 
there's not much of a skull there, but from what they can see, it's, you know, the head looks like that of a duck, face and beak coming on like a chicken or a turkey, basically. Most of the bird's body is missing, so who knows what other animals it's made up of. Maybe I'm whatever you need me to be in this yeah, foul like, freeway. Of, the know. left foot is a pigeon, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like the other one's a seagull. Um, they think it was a shore bird. And they, this is interesting, they named it Asterionis Mastrictensis for Asteria, the Greek goddess of falling stars, who then turned herself into a quail. I was not aware of this mythology. Why would you do that if you were a star? Why would you want to I be a know. quail? Well, you've got to have some reason why there's quails. Maybe people were starting to ask questions. Well, okay. <laughs> and they were like, this is what happened. So yeah, it's this kind of a chicken, turkey, a duck. And they're basically, they're saying it's like a turducken. A turducken. A live turducken. Yeah. A live turducken, the oldest modern bird. And the, the picture of it looks ridiculous. <laughs> it's like, it just looks like like a child's sketch of three different things. Yeah. you know, Kind of mishmashed together. But, you know, it's probably good that it's extinct because it probably would be mass produced at this time. And, and then eaten. And eaten for Thanksgiving. So I was thinking, because they say it's small, which is a shame. I was thinking it would be more the size of like the New Jersey turkeys that I saw chasing people a couple years ago. They're no joke. They are no joke. But what if that, a turkey of that size somehow had the, the front of a duck and kind <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how would that change things for you? It would make it a little less dangerous because the beak wouldn't be as sharp. Yeah. Like, but how bizarre. Peck you, but it would have you know? like a duck with talons. Yeah, a duck with talons. <laughs> so yeah, barnyard news. It's pretty interesting. I mean, I I'm always skeptical. I love paleontology, but sometimes they find pieces that are so small. I struggle to see how they make the connections. Mm. They're literally like we found like a left toe, and we think <laughs> that it's from. This is what they're trained for. This is what yeah. they're made to. They're, they they got to look for these things. Yeah, so there it is, uh, turducken. I love it. It exists. Thank you for listening to Hey You Know It. Stay in touch with us during the week. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Tumblr. Go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. We'll read it on an upcoming show regardless of content. As always, we love your emails. Send us an email at heyyouknowit at gmail.com with your comments, questions, and segment ideas. Emails will also be read on upcoming shows. Please tell your friends about us because you know we don't advertise. And let them know we can be found on iTunes at Stitcher.com and at HeyYouKnowIt.com. Thanks.